The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome to the show. First time we've ever done this. Episode 272, part two. <laughs> I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. Sitting across from me, as always, the lovely, the talented Brittany Page. You know, sometimes we skip an episode, sometimes we're late on an episode, but we always do our best to do right Sometimes by we the do, listeners. We do multiple episodes in a single day. Yes. Within hours of one another. Yes. I just woke up from a glorious, wonderfully delicious nap. And I just got home from work. About an hour. Yeah. Of nap time. Hours of work <laughs> for me. Good times. So when we left off, I think I think we're going to call this episode, well, I can't really call it a bonus episode. I think it's going to be like 272.2 or part two or something. Yes. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But when we left off, what we didn't talk about, we talked about all of the voter fraud bullshit that's going on. What we didn't talk about is what's in the news huge right now. Bigly. Bigly. Big league is the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. And as I stated in the previous episode, do not let the Donald Trump administration fool you that this is not a Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely a ban on Muslims. And we're going to go through it and explain, I guess, from the beginning. And I, let's start there. This is Donald Trump on the campaign announcing his plan, calling for a ban on Muslims entering the United States. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. Listen to that loving crowd, that empathetic crowd. We have no choice. We have no choice. We have no choice, Brittany. None mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So that's Donald Trump in his own words saying that we're going to ban. We're going to stop a complete, a total, a complete shutdown. Of Muslims. Of Muslims coming into this country. That's what he said. Well, clearly it was a month or so later, I think, that they had to dial that way back because of the backlash and the clear constitutional crisis that would be presented had that been the policy what so we're (laughs) learning now that apparently he dispatched rudy giuliani to assemble a blue ribbon panel of wonderful americans who hate on brown people and hate muslims to determine another way at this let's let's call this something different let's let's figure out another way to do it Here's Rudy Giuliani explaining to that woman on Fox News, Judge Janine Pirro. And this clip is recent. Yeah, this is... This is him recently. This weekend. Yeah. And he kind of spilled the beans about what went on and what changed their tone or language. 
<laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> but I want to ask you about this ban. I want to ask you about this ban and the protest. Does the ban have anything to do with religion? How did the president decide the seven countries? Uh, I understand the permanent ban on the refugees. Okay. Uh, and, okay, I'll talk to me. Tell you the whole history of it. So right. when he first announced it, he said Muslim ban. He called me up. He said, put a commission together. Show me the right way to do it legally. I put a commission together with Judge Mukasey, with Congressman McCall, Pete King, whole group of other very expert lawyers on this. And what we did was we focused on, instead of religion, danger. The right. air areas of the world that create danger for us, which is a factual basis, not a religious basis. Perfectly legal, perfectly sensible, and that's what the ban is based on. It's not based on religion. It's based on places where there are substantial evidence that people are sending terrorists into our country. That's just not the case. There's two things there. One is the the clear problematic language that Donald Trump asked me, how can we get about go about this to do it legally? Mm -hmm. So clearly it's. I want uh, some legal mumbo-jumbo to rephrase, to repurpose my Muslim quote-unquote ban to be something else. Right. Well, and also, I know that this isn't a good thing to do. I know that this isn't the way to do it. So uh, let's do it anyway. Just help me get it done. Yes. The other thing is that to stop terrorists from coming into the country, and we're going to get to that. But this this doesn't do anything to stop terrorists from coming into the country based on the numbers, based on the data, based on even conservative outlets and their analysis of the numbers. So before we get going, well, first of all, I want to say this before anything gets said, because this I'm not hearing reported anywhere. And if you read this executive order, there is an exemption for religious minorities in these particular countries that have been banned. The religious minority clearly being non-Muslims, being Christian. So if that does not equate to Muslim ban, then what does? All the Muslims in these countries cannot come in because they're not a part of the religious minority mm-hmm. in those countries. Mm-hmm. Well, and Donald Trump was even asked directly about this issue, I think, in his interview with David Muir, um, related to the Christian refugees yeah he did and he was wrong then about the particular details he gave about christians being impossible to come in that they're not allowed in and that obama let in so many others but before we get to that i want to go through i'm going to play this very brief clip from chris cuomo on cnn kind of giving you the brass tacks and explaining exactly what this travel ban is Executive order on refugees and foreign travelers has sparked a lot of emotional reaction. But let's take a step back and break down the facts, not just deal with phobias. The order suspends the refugee program for 120 days, okay? It caps refugee admissions at 50,000 a year. That will be a major drop from the almost 85,000 refugees who entered the U.S. in 2016. It also cuts the Obama administration's ceiling of 110,000 a year in half. President Trump's executive order also bars citizens from seven Muslim-majority countries from entering America for 90 days, three months. Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, 
and Yemen. In 2015, about 84,000 people from these countries entered the U.S., mostly on tourist, business, and student visas, the majority traveling from Iran and Iraq. All right, so let's look specifically at Syrian refugees. President Trump went a step further there. There's an indefinite ban on anyone fleeing persecution in Syria. Last year, the U.S. accepted around 12,600 Syrians, second only to refugees coming from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. You will hear that Christians can't get out of Syria, but Muslims can get into the U.S. That's not true. Equal amounts of each got into the U.S. last year. So, And I stopped it there because he went into a lot of detail, and I want to break this down issue by issue. And one is what he just talked about. I want to talk about the the claim that it's impossible using trump's words impossible for christians as refugees to come into the united states from this region because there was some kind of preference for muslims that is just patently false of course i mean donald trump said it you can't hold him to any standard of truth or accuracy here he is of course with the christian broadcasting network Pat Robertson's network sitting down for an an actual interview. They seem to be his new favorite, too. He calls on them in press conferences and asks questions, softball questions. But here he is, and this will lead into a, a panel discussion about the numbers that he's wrong about. As it relates to persecuted Christians, do you, do you see them as kind of a priority here? As a, yes. As a per, you do? Yes, they've been horribly treated. Do you know, oh if you were a God. Christian in Syria, it was impossible, very, very, at least very, very tough to get into the United States. If you were a Muslim, you could come in. But if you were a Christian, it was almost impossible. And the reason that was so unfair is that the everybody was persecuted, in all fairness. But they were chopping off the heads of everybody but more so the Christians. That was President Trump talking to Christian Broadcasting Network's David Brody. Just a quick fact check, uh, not broken down by Syria, but in terms of general refugees admitted to the United States, according to Pew, Muslim refugees, 38,901. Christian refugees, 37,521. So not impossible to get in. I'm back with our roundtable. Governor Brewer, uh, you were taking issue with some of the things said. Uh, by some of the other parents. Well, in regards to the Muslim uh, uh, ban, you know, if that was true, then he would have banned all the people coming in from all the other countries, Turkey, Indonesia. He has not done that. I believe that the administration probably has high intelligence reports that these countries that he has has named, uh, there's a danger there. And he promised the people of America, of the United States, that he was going to keep us safe. So why not not name a single country where one of the 9-11 and hijackers came from? Why not name UAE or Saudi Arabia? Or why not n- name Russia, where the, where the Boston bombers came from? Can we explain? Can we explain? Because they're having... The bottom having... line is, is that they chose these countries based, I would assume, Governor. on intelligence. Governor, that's assuming that then on, on January the 19th, that there was one kind of intelligence, and on January 20th, there was another kind of intelligence. That is assuming that President Obama didn't want to keep America safe, and that, in fact, he didn't have the kind of wisdom to be able to put certain countries on that list. So I'm getting kind of annoyed by this. <laughs> Jen Brewer? Well, no, just... And her three-pack-a-day smoker's voice? This The, the, the general <laughs> argument, right, this attempt at... This propaganda effort on the part of the 
Trump administration, right? And I've been seeing articles shared all over Facebook from my conservative friends trying to stir this idea up, right? That that Barack Obama discriminated against Christian refugees. Right, because of course he's a Muslim. Right, and favored Muslim refugees. Right. And it's just not true. And a lot of times when you read these articles that level this accusation, they use conspiratorial language, right? Is there an innocent reason behind why he chose to do that? Who knows? It's always the asking of the question that can't be answered. Right. It's alluding to the fact that they believe he's a Muslim. Okay. They might as well just say Barack Hussein Obama's a Muslim, you know? I I was just going to say that. If you ever read something, Brittany went on a fucking tirade the other day. I got the brunt of it because Brittany's very metered in her discussions with people on Facebook. But somebody posted this this article. It wasn't an article. It was like a someone something someone had written. You know, they copy and paste right, and put right. it everywhere. And it was supposed to be a metered, reasonable, down the middle, not biased thing. Right. The guy claimed he was a former intelligence reporter, and he said the, the he said the words Barack Hussein Obama like three times. In right. The post. And, and Brittany was raging, and rightly so. And you said. That's not credible. If someone's doing that, there's clearly a direction they're trying to lead you with the word Hussein in the name. So it's irresponsible to propagate this falsehood, mostly because it it goes a long way to rile up Donald Trump's base and create this us versus them mentality of, well, they discriminated against Christians. So why can't we now discriminate against Muslims? Well, right. you guys were in there before. Now it's us that's in there. And we're going to discriminate against who we think we should be able to. You guys did it before. Look at us doing it now. When it's not the case. Right. So in reality, go to Pew Research Center, please. Read it a lot. Okay. Go to what? Pew Research Center. Pew, 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 And you will see numbers, official numbers Unbiased. Okay, yes, nonpartisan. Nearly 39,000 Muslim refugees entered the U.S. in fiscal year 2016, the highest number on record. Muslims made up nearly half, 46%, of refugee admissions, a higher share than for Christians, who accounted for 44%. Now, that's 46 (laughs) versus 44% of refugees. It's virtually identical. Right, so Muslims exceeded Christians on this measure for the first time since 2006, when a large nu- when a large number of Somali refugees entered the U.S. Right. There you go. That's it. That is it. And to, to this argument that, well, one, I want to, uh, again, reinforce that this is a Muslim ban because of all this that we've talked about. And again, the religious minority exception. All you Muslims, you have to stay out. We're banning travel from you in you, those specific nations. But your religious minority groups, eh, you get to come. You can get an exception granted for you. That's bullshit. But the other thing is this hastily thrown together thing based on a list that a Republican Congress threw together consisting of those seven countries and not consisting of conspicuously and maybe coincidentally, quote unquote, of countries in which Donald Trump has business ties, has business interest in Saudi Arabia, has business interest in the United Arab Emirates, has business interests in these particular countries that are not on the list. 
Right. So he has significant commercial interests in Turkey, is developing properties in Indonesia and Dubai, and has formed companies in Egypt and Saudi Arabia. His daughter Ivanka said in 2015 that the company was looking at, quote, multiple opportunities in Dubai, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, um, areas where they are seeing the most interest. Right. 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 And not banning those people. No. Well, it's problematic. Clearly, that's problematic, but for more than one reason, because they're trying to act like there's a giant threat coming out of these particular countries, that they're trying to save American lives. And the fact is that nobody gets killed of those countries. Yeah, they got a bad reputation and they might train some terrorists. That Yeah, terrible. But the countries that really export terror and export the death of of Americans are not being targeted because Donald Trump has business interests there. But let's look a little closer at the numbers. Alex Nauraste of the Cato Institute, a conservative think tank, has tallied the number of Americans killed by citizens of the seven countries banned from 1975 to 2015. They are as follows, from Iraq, zero from iran zero from syria zero from yemen zero from libya zero from somalia zero and from sudan you guessed it zero incidentally that number from saudi arabia is two thousand three hundred and sixty nine from the uae is three hundred and fourteen from egypt is one sixty two according to cato why certain countries are on or off this list is truly mysterious some newspapers have noted correctly that none of the Muslim-majority countries that have a Trump hotel, building, or office are on the list. More broadly, Cato's Naraste points out that including 9-11, the chance of an American being killed by foreign terrorists on U.S. soil over that 41-year period is 1 in 3.6 million per year. Being killed by a refugee, your chances are 1 in 3.64 billion per year. So there's really no rational basis for this policy. Those numbers are striking. That your chances of being killed by a refugee over a 41-year period, and these are numbers covered from the Cato Institute, which is a conservative, conservative think tank in Washington, D.C. One in 3.64 billion you have a better chance of winning the lottery maybe twice in a row. I mean, it's insane. Those odds are astronomical. And they're basing policy on that. This is this is insane. Well, and a lot of people are saying that they're actually basing policy on what Obama did. In fact, Donald Trump released a statement That's right. saying... Yeah. I'm just doing what Obama did. And there's stark differences between what's happening right now and what Obama did with the Iraqis. There is, but that doesn't stop his supporters from regurgitating this information and spreading it all around the internet, right? Let's talk about that, the, 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 the specifics of that Obama thing. So when people hear that, they'll be able to combat that misinformation. Right. So in 2011, President Barack Obama responded to a specific threat. Okay, 
So that's the biggest difference. There was an actual threat. His suspension was in direct response to a failed plot by Iraqi nationals living in Bowling Green, Kentucky, to send money, explosive, and weapons to al-Qaeda. The two men were arrested by the FBI in May 2011 for actions committed in Iraq and trying to assist overseas terrorist groups. This is the biggest difference, okay? It was actionable intelligence based on a very small grouping of individuals. Right. And it's one country. One, you know, they didn't throw a fucking net out and say, oh, my God, this is scary. No Muslims. They fine-tuned it to make it a workable policy. Right. Additionally, Barack Obama's order was narrower in scope. So the, the scope of the two policies is, is different. Obama's 2011 order put a pause on refugee processing, whereas Trump has halted entries applying to all non-U.S. visitors. Yes. And... Part of it was also green card, present people who hold a green card, people who live here, people whose houses are here, people whose apartments and lives and children and families are already here. They were they were gone. They were out of the country and not allowed to come back until a federal judge intervened. But is there more on this before we get to that? Well, well I, you know me, I like to I like to jump the gun, Brittany Page. Well, yeah, I also want to say that data from the State Department shows that there were still Iraqi refugees that were admitted to the United States every month in 2011. So there was a drop-off in May after after there was this issue, the right. specific threat. But it wasn't stopped. There was no complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. That's right. Right? Um, and so those are those are the key differences. It was a specific, specific threat. Mm-hmm. It was one country. It was far narrower in scope in terms of what actually, who is being focused on. And the time frame was very brief. Yes. Yeah. So, no, it's not similar. Your policy is not similar to what President Obama did. And anyone who says that is being disingenuous well, or lying. Obama was using a scalpel, and Donald Trump was using a fucking wrecking ball. Right. That's the difference. That's the, I mean, that is. That's what it is. Right. It's not in, and it's not in direct response to actions from citizens of these countries. Right. It's just not. Well, listen... There's a there's a political cost here, a diplomatic cost here, and probably a, a cost in lives of an uptick in terrorism because right now, I don't know if I want to talk about this at the end or not while I'm here, so fuck it. Uh, Donald Trump is doing ISIS a great service right now. They are fucking rejoicing. We're gathering intelligence right now of chatter that they're, they could not be more pleased with this type of policy because it illustrates exactly what they're trying to, 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 to indicate to their followers and hopeful recruits, that America is waging a war on Islam. Right. So I was reading this interview with a former jihadi and he says, quote, it can play into their propaganda to make it clear for anyone who could be in doubt that it is a war on Islam and all Muslims. Right. Yeah. And um, they went further and said Trump has helped ISIS a lot. He's basically being a tool for them in a way. Shocker. On social media right now, there's a lot of people quoting Anwar al-Awlaki, the late spokesperson for al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, and his last speech when he said that America will turn on Muslims. Yeah. And this is what it appears is happening by way of Donald Trump's policy. So feeding into their their propaganda, right? And I also saw this tweet. It, it says Trump's ban harms people fleeing ISIS, disrupts disrupts people fighting ISIS, helps people recruiting for ISIS. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. 
is that who's happy about this? ISIS. They're very happy about this. Who's dismayed? Who is bummed out about this? The people who are fighting ISIS on the ground. The Iraqi nationals who are fighting ISIS, who are putting their lives on the line to gain back their country. The same with the Syrian resistance. People who are fighting ISIS and trying to gain back their nation. They are bummed by this. The other people that are bummed by this, the people who are fleeing the murderous rampage of ISIS that is going on across North Africa and Iraq and Syria. Those people are also very disappointed by this. So who the fuck is he helping? He's helping he's helping people who are afraid. Yeehaw! Oh we go. Gotta be scared of the ISIS now. They're gonna kill us all. His supporters, his followers, they're afraid, and many of them are racist, and they don't want them brown people. We already got enough of them brownies. We don't want any more. I'm not saying that's all his followers, but there's clearly a large percentage. Otherwise, this there wouldn't be political capital in it for him here in the United States. In another interview with the chairman of Contemporary Middle East Studies at the London School of Economics and author of ISIS, A History, he said, quote, the policy can easily be interpreted and is being interpreted as a ban against Muslims. If you are serious about defeating ISIS, the last thing you want to do is portray the fight as Islam versus the West. Yes. And that doesn't mean you can't say radical Islamic terror. I believe that should be said. We should define who our enemy is. I've been saying that for years. But not all Muslims are radical Islamic terrorists. The vast, vast majority of Muslim people are peaceful individuals who just want to live their lives and and raise their families and love one another. They're not radical Islamic terrorists. Right. And the the radical jihadists, they hate America. Yes. They do. And when you watch those videos of ISIS, they hate America. They want to bring death to Americans. And when you conflate and you say you group all of Muslims together, you group moderate Muslims with radical jihadists. Right. When you make no distinction. They have the ability to then say, look at America. Look at Americans. Look at how they feel about us. Right. If they're a monolith, then so are we. Well, yeah, and look at how they feel about us. We've What we've been saying all along is true. Americans are the enemy. America's the enemy. Look, yeah. they've deemed us an enemy as well. That's why these protests all across the country are very important, which flared up. It was, this is a big deal that's happening right now, when every single weekend there are mass Mass protests of millions of people standing up, raising their voices, raising their picket signs, and showing good faith in opposition and resistance to this administration. It's a big deal. Well, this weekend, a federal judge, several federal judges ruled, and several lawsuits were actually filed. Washington State was one of them, to block parts of this particular immigration order. A federal judge is putting a temporary stop to some of the most important parts of President Donald Trump's executive order banning citizens from seven Muslim-majority countries from entering the U.S. This after a federal judge in New York grants an emergency stay halting deportations of people with valid visas 
who were caught in the confusion of the president's immigration order. We'll get into some of those details in a moment. But first, the president's uh, ban sparking fierce and divided reaction, including protests and demonstrations at airports across the country. And due to the, the magic of audio editing, we're not going to hear about all those protests because you've seen it on the news. You've watched the video footage. You may have even taken part. So we're going to skip to the part where they have the panel discussion and they talk about the stay that was ordered by a federal judge. Our team of reporters and legal experts are covering this breaking news from every angle. We're going to start with CNN's Ryan Nobles. He's in Washington. Ryan, walk us through these rulings from districts across the country. Yeah, Victor, uh, federal judges in New York, Washington State, Virginia and Massachusetts have all weighed in on the executive order issued by the Trump administration. And they all agree that travelers and refugees from those seven Muslim majority countries impacted by the pan cannot be deported. And in the most sweeping ruling, a judge in Boston said travelers to Logan Airport can also not be detained. Now, the Department of Homeland Security is reacting to those rulings, promising the agency will comply with the courts, but also enforce the president's policy. In a statement, the agency said that it will, quote, comply with the judicial orders, faithfully enforce our immigration laws, and implement the president's executive orders to ensure that those entering the United States do not pose a threat to our country or the American people. So a federal judge stepped in and put a kibosh on the green card element of this. So this weekend, when Reince Priebus went on and said, oh, well, going forward, the green card people, almost as though it was the administration's choice of the matter, it was because of federal, federal court orders. But they didn't stop. They continued to defy the court order. And this is important, that we have an administration that talks about the rule of law and law and order, and they're going to defy the order of a federal judge. This is what is going to be so key moving forward with a Republican lapdog Congress and a totalitarian administration, Republican administration. The, the freedom of the independent judiciary is going to be vitally important over these next two years because that is going to be the course to halt, to stop, to, to buttress against the damage that Donald Trump in, uh, intends to in, inflict on the American people and our, our policies that have been longstanding for decades and decades. So this is a good time to plug the ACLU, too. Oh, yeah. So U.S. District Court Judge Ann Donnelly is her name, and she ruled in favor of a habeas corpus petition filed by the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, on behalf of two Iraqi men who were detained at JFK on Friday after Trump signed his order. And she said, quote, there is imminent danger that absent the stay of removal, there will be substantial and irreparable injury to refugees, visa holders and other individuals from nations subject to Trump's order. This ruling preserves the status quo and ensures that people who have been granted permission to be in this country are not illegally removed off U.S. soil. Awesome. So the ACLU received more donations this weekend than they do in like. More online donations than than they did this weekend, than like many more than they did all last year. 
Yeah, it was like six 20, times. Twenty nine million, I think, this weekend, and last year was like three to four million dollars. Yeah, an enormous amount of money. But this is a necessary it, amount of money. It is very necessary, yeah. and they really rocked this in terms of the response to Trump's executive action, and all the lawyers that came out and went to the airports. Right. And worked for free to represent people who are being held, who are being detained. Listen, in the show notes, we're going to put a link to the donate to the ACLU link, whatever it is. And I put it up on the Facebook page if you want to go there and get it. However, is there, listen, if you have an extra $2, $3, $5, donate to the, UC, the, the UCLA, the ACLU, because they are doing yeoman's work. They are doing important work. And they need the funding to do that to move forward because we need people in opposition to Donald Trump who have the skill set to do more than just me running my mouth here. We need people who actually can stand in front of a judge and initiate legal resistance. Because that, like I said, the independent judiciary, that's the way we're going to have to deal with Donald Trump's administration over the next two years. So the other part of this, and then we'll wrap, is that the acting attorney general for the United States of America is a woman by the name of Sally Yates. Or let me, let me, little, little uh, disclaimer, she was up until about 20 minutes ago. She has been removed, fired by Donald Trump because she refused to represent him in court to represent and defend this unconstitutional, she believes, and legally without merit executive order. He used the word betrayed. She betrayed the administration. The White House said in a statement. Yeah, she was an Obama appointee, just a holdover until Jeff Sessions, the racist vote suppressor, can become the attorney general. So she did what she felt she was legally obligated and you know as far as her charge to serve and protect the constitution and the united states against all enemies foreign and domestic right she's quoted as saying that she was not convinced that the executive order was lawful therefore she cannot defend it in court right and sean spicer's response to that was these career bureaucrats have a problem with it they should either get with the program or they can go And there's already Trump supporters in my feed that are liking this link that says, you're fired. Donald Trump fires. It's just unbelievable. They're using... Really? Using... You have the worst people in your Facebook feed. The fucking worst. (laughs) Seriously. I I would... My head would goddamn explode on a daily basis. Uh, Like I'm some kind of an X-Men that my head just grows back after it explodes. (laughs) But I, I, I don't... I lose my mind vicariously through the things that I hear. Uh-huh. Ugh. Anyway, so Donald Trump fired her and yeah. put in this new guy whose name is Dana Biondi, who's from the like Eastern District of Virginia or something, and apparently he's going to get the job done. Yeah. What, is that, am I wrong? No, you just knew all of that off the top of your head, and I'm really impressed because I have to sit here and read everything. <laughs> um, I don't know who the guy is. I just I heard it, so it, it stuck in the stupid brain. Right, and... Of course, you have Donald Trump going to Twitter to complain. Of course. That the Democrats are delaying his cabinet picks for purely political reasons. Uh, Purely political reasons. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. I'm Donald Trump. They have nothing going on but to obstruct. Yeah, nothing going on. 
but protecting America and our reputation throughout the world and our constitution actually standing for the, the oath that they took to, to support and defend the constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, Donald Trump. Well, I also love that Stephen Miller, uh, Donald Trump's senior policy advisor, was quoted as... You mean the genetic purity guy? Yeah, it was... He's so genetically pure? Yeah, he... Uh, the guy's a fucking train wreck in the looks department. He was quoted... He, white supremacist. He thinks he's pure and good. Was quoted as saying, it's, <laughs> it's sad... It's sad that our politics have become so politicized. Oh, Stephen Miller. That you people, that you have people refusing to enforce our laws. You mean uh, like the law that was just signed yesterday? That it's not even a law. People are evaluating to see if it's. It's an executive order. It's not a law, Stephen Miller. Well, this president does not write and sign laws. The president signs legislation, laws, that are written and passed by Congress. That's the system we have. Yeah, but... You fucking mook. You have people <laughs> that are surrounding Donald Trump... Right. ...who are... Uh, fanning the flame. I they're, think- they're feeding these ideas to him, right? Making him believe he's all-powerful. Those pictures, every time he signs an yeah, executive yeah. order and all these men are standing over him clapping behind... It's creepy. The visual Listen, is very disturbing. I I would not be surprised if Donald Trump believes that he signed a law into, or, into existence. Mm-hmm. That his executive order holds as much weight as a law. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Because another president can just sign another one to take it away, and an executive order can't be signed to take away a law. Anyway, this is where we are, folks. He needs some schoolhouse rock. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm just a beer. <laughs> yes, I'm only a beer. We need to go back to and the I'm basics. sitting <laughs> here on Capitol Hill. We, did you it's do that song? It's a long, long did you do journey the song? to the capital city. Oh, God. Long, long journeys. Well, I'm stuck here in committee. Yeah. So he... I'll be a law someday. Oh, At least Jesus. I hope and pray <laughs> that I will. But until I am just oh a bill. It obviously had a profound impact on you, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> I could do, you know, what is it? Uh, the adverb one? Yeah. Lolly, lolly, lolly. lolly get, get your, your adverbs, adverbs here. here. <laughs> yeah. Conjunction, junction. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, we're going to end it there. <laughs> Two episodes in a day, and I am delirious. <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock, everybody. Listen, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us for this 272nd.2 episode. Uh, this just would have been an over two-hour episode, and that is just not tenable in my book. So we, we made it work. I'm glad our schedules worked out. We were able to get it done for you guys. Listen, if you appreciate this, and you want to you wanna help us out, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore or dollamore.com slash Patreon or slash PayPal and think about, you know, throwing a couple dollars a month our way. If you were to, if you, you can go on there and set your, your, your episode limit at a dollar and then set your monthly limit at two or three or four or five or whatever so you don't go over. It's not an automatic thing. You have to give $8 a month, give what you feel you can give. And if you can't give, ah, that's okay. This is always going to be free. But we would really appreciate the hand and the help 
because it really does go a long way towards supporting us in all that we do. And we love you guys. So listen, we'll see you on on Wednesday, on Thursday when we're back in here Wednesday to do another episode. We love you. you we sure appreciate you. You guys, keep the lights on. For Brittany Page, well, I, I am Jesse Dollimore. This is Ben. I doubt it. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the Capitol City. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday. At least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. Gee, Bill, you certainly have a lot of patience and courage. Well, I got this far. When I started, I wasn't even a bill. I was just an idea. Some folks back home decided they wanted a law passed, so they called their local congressman, and he said, you're right, there ought to be a law. Then he sat down and wrote me out and introduced me to Congress, and I became a bill. And I'll remain a bill until they decide to make me a law. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I got as far as Capitol Hill. Well, now I'm stuck in committee and I'll sit here and wait while a few key congressmen discuss and debate whether they should let me be alone. I hope and pray that they will, but today I am still just a bill. Listen to those congressmen arguing. Is all that discussion and debate about you? Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. Most bills never even get this far. I hope they decide to report on me favorably, otherwise I may die. Die? Yeah, die in committee. Oh, but it looks like I'm going to live. Now I go to the House of Representatives and they vote on me. If they vote yes, what happens? Then I go to the Senate and the whole thing starts all over again. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'm just a bill, yes, I'm only a bill, and if they vote for me on Capitol Hill, well, then I'm off to the White House where I'll wait in a line with a lot of other bills for the president to sign, and if he signs me, then I'll be alone, I hope and pray that he will, but today I am still just a bill. You mean even if the whole Congress says you should be a law, the president can still say no? Yes, that's called a veto. If the president vetoes me, I have to go back to Congress and they vote on me again, and by that time you're so By that time, it's very unlikely that you become a law. It's not easy to become a law, is it? No, but how I hope and pray that I will, but today I am still just a bill. He signed your bill, now you're a law. Oh, yes!